Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. Well, welcome once again, and thank you for bringing life changers home. Welcome home. Thank you for letting me speak and minister to you today. I've been wanting to share this special word on my heart for you for a while. And uh, I really believe that this is the moment. This is this is the day. Today is the day to talk about this. And I want to read to you from first Samuel, chapter 22, beginning in verse one and two. It says David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And so when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And now watch this, the condition of the people that came to David. And it says, and everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them and there were about about 400 men with them. But look, notice in verse two, it says everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him and he became captain over them. It's interesting, these three things, all starting with the letter D. Somehow, as God's way of communicating to us something really powerful and really important, that these three things really are the things that we all deal with every day in our lives. We deal with distress. We deal with debt. We deal with discontentedness, unhappiness, bitterness. We're dealing with all three of those things in the world as we are experiencing it in these days. There's so much distress in people's lives, so much emotional angst and anxiety and stress and depression and and oppression, distress and then debt. So many people that are dealing with financial hardship and hard times, how many businesses closed and how many people had to lose their job or lose their their wealth or lose their investment or lose their business. God knows that what we're going through, he knows what you're going through, distress, debt and everyone who is discontented. Boy, there's a lot of discontent in this world. You don't have to look very far and see all the strife and see the division and see the negativity that that is that people that take over people's lives when we're not ruled by the love of God, when we're not governed by the goodness of God, when we're not governed by the spirit of God. We don't have, I think all these things, distress, debt and discontentment are all. They fill a void. They, they are the result of a vacuum in our lives that if we were truly focused on the right things, we would be free from distress if we were If we would look to God as our source, I believe we can get out of debt and financial pressure. And if we truly understand the goodness and the grace of God, the love of God, we'll be free from discontentment and negativity and bitterness. But I want you to notice also as we deal with these three things, because we're an attack, we're going to attack all three as much time as we have. And we'll get to we'll finish it another time if we need to. But 
we're going to attack these three things. We're going to deal with distress. You're going to rule over distress starting today. You're going to rule over debt starting today. You're going to rule over discontentment starting today. And I want you to see the next part of this verse, which is so which uses a great word. So he became captain over them. He became captain over them. Well, of course, he's talking about he became David became captain over these men. But I want us to use this also in a way where we become captain over these things, where we become captain, commander, ruler over distress, over debt, over discontentment. And really, this teaching boils down to how to be a captain, not a captive captains, not captives, because whatever you don't become the captain of, says he became captain over them. Whatever you don't become the captain of, you will become the captive of. I want to say that again, whatever you don't become the captain of, you become the captive of. If you don't rule over your emotions, for example, they will rule over you. If you don't captain your emotions, they will take you captive. If you don't captain anxiety, if you don't captain fear, if you don't rule over your finances, you will become a captain of them, a captive, excuse me, of them. So obviously you can hear how similar these words are, but I want you to understand how to who you really are as a captain rather than becoming a captive. We're 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 so captive by we're made captives of life and life's stress and life's problems and life's struggles. We're under the circumstances rather than over the circumstances. And God created us to reign in life. So let's talk about how we're going to do this and how we're going to experience this, because it's time to turn this all around. Aren't you tired? Aren't you ready to stop living in distress, stop living in debt, stop living in discontentment? It's all right here. Revelation chapter three, verse 11. I want to read this to you because I love this verse when he says. He says, I'm coming soon, Jesus says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have. Boy, over the last several weeks of 2021, over the last few weeks of 2020, I began to talk to you about and, and really over, I think, all of 2020 and all of 2021 so far, we've been really emphasizing how important it is that we start with what we have, that we focus on what we have. It makes you thankful. It makes you grateful. It's how your faith works. What you need starts with what you have. But Jesus says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have. Hold on to what you have. So he's given us some stuff already. And he says, you got to hold on to this stuff. Not that you can lose. You don't lose it in Christ, but people can talk you out of it. And so you can what he says next is hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown that no one will take your crown, that no devil will take your crown, no demon will take your crown, no worse version of yourself, no lesser version of yourself will take your crown. In other words, Jesus gives us a crown when we're born again. He makes us kings and priests in him. But when we when we don't focus on what we already have, sometimes we let people take our crown. We let people by comparing ourselves to others, by living for the praise or the or the, the compliments of others living for the likes right of others in social media or just in social life and just in life in general. And sometimes we give our crown away. 
We let somebody talk us out of it. We let somebody who speaks negative about us to take our crown or we let somebody who's who is a hater. We let them take our crown. We we allow them to get under our skin. We allow them to to get the, the, the worst of us to come out. How many have ever been in a relationship with someone where they always seem to bring the worst out of you? Well, we're supposed to be in relationships and the relationship I want to have with you is I want to always bring the best out of you. And I'm determined to always bring the best out of you because there's greatness in you. There's treasure in you. There's power in you. There's love in you. There's a sound mind in you. There's Holy Spirit in you. There's wisdom and faith and treasures and talents and greatness inside of you. And my job isn't to try to give you those things. I can't give you any of those things. God gave you those things. My job is simply to remind you of who you are and let no one take your crown. We're taking our lives back. We're taking our souls back. We're taking our finances back. We're taking our emotions back. We're taking our attitude back. That's what we're doing here. That's how to reign in life. Revelation 3, 11, let no one take your crown. You see, God has made you a ruler in life, a captain in life. And we're not created to be captives. We're created to be captains. We're not created to be ruled and dominated by the things that are going on in this world, in this life. And that's why you can't get caught up in the news and the media and all the politics of life and all the, the negativity of life. That's not that's that's beneath you. You're a captain over that. You're not captive to that. We're not a captive to whoever is in government, whoever, whatever government is, is in our lives. We're not captives to that. We're captains of it. We can pray over it. We can vote over it. We can. Uh, but we got to rule over it and not be ruled by it and not let anything shift our emotions, not let anything dictate to us what we're going to believe and how we're going to feel and what decisions we're going to make. We're in charge of that. You're in charge of that. You're more than a conqueror. Romans 8:37 says, I love how he says it. He says, look, you are now more than a conqueror in all these things, more than conquerors through what? Through him that loved us in what? In all these things, in what's going on and what was going on in 2020, what's going on in 2021, what's going to be going on in 2022, in all these things, in your tough times, in all these things, in financial things, in all these things, in emotional things, in all these things, in family things, in all these things, in relationship things, in all these things, in emotional things. Yea, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. You're more than a conqueror. You got to see that. You got to believe that through what? Through him who loved us. So none of this ever changes. His love never stops. Nothing will separate us from the love of God, right? So because of his love for us, we're more than conquerors right now in all the things that we're facing, whatever you're facing right now. You see, finding the solution is not as important as knowing who you are. Because when you know who you are, finding the solutions becomes so much easier. We get conquered because we don't know this. We're more than conquerors, overwhelmingly conquerors. This is who we are. This is who you are. So. I love what Romans 5:17 says. 
in building this concept. He says, through the abundance of grace for one man's offense, death reigned, death reigned through the one Adam, much more those who receive that's you and me, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Those two things, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we should spend all our lives meditating on the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, because that's what he says. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Oh, I love this, that we reign in life. Why aren't we reigning? Because we lack our understanding of the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. We reign in life through these things. I like what the amplified version of that says that we reign as kings. He says we reign as kings in this life. Because of Jesus, through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign as kings. Let no one take your crown. We reign as kings. Let no one take your crown. Remember, all of Christianity can be summed up, I think. The whole gospel can be summed up in Revelation chapter one, verse five and six. He says in Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten from the dead and the prince of peace, the king ruler of the kings of the earth. If you look in the I think the New King James version, it says unto him that loved us and unto him that washed us from our sins in his own blood and unto him who has made us kings and priests to his God and father. You see, it says three things about us, it says three things about Jesus. He loved us. He washed us and he made us kings and priests. You know, I probably didn't do as good of a job in communicating these things last year, but as I as I'd hoped to, maybe you feel I did, but I'm certainly going to drill down on these things more now than ever. Right now. He said three things there. He loved us. Nothing that nothing that we can do to get that. He loved us. It's his choice. He loved us. He washed us. From all of our sins, he didn't wash. He didn't love what was washed. He washed what he loved, right? You heard me say that a thousand times. He loved us first. He doesn't wash us so he can love us. He washes us because he loved us. He loved us. That's what he feels for us. He washed us. That's what he did for us and made us kings and priests. That's what he made of us. He did three things. He 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 felt something for us. That's love. He did something for us. He washed us and he made something of us kings and priests. That's who you are. That's who you are. You're made to reign in life through Jesus. So if you go back to this verse now, now you can understand a little bit more. First Samuel, Chapter 22. So they all came to him in verse one and two, it says in, in distress. 
in debt and discontented. They came to David and he became captain over them. Today, I want you to know who you are. You reign as a king in this life. And it's time to become the captain over these things that have held us captive. It's time for us to take our rightful place and let no one take our crown to take our seat and let no one take our crown to take our seat seated with Christ in heavenly places and let no one take our crown. We've been created for this. We were made for this. We were made for moments like this. We were made for years like this. We were made for years like last year. We were made for trials. We were made for circumstances. We were made to rule over them. God knew we would face these days. God knew you would face these terrible times that you've been going through. Whatever is happening in your life, God knew you were going to have it. God knew it was going to happen. God knew what the enemy was going to send and God knew he was going to bend it. What the enemy sent to defeat you, God bent to complete you. God knew all this stuff was going to happen. He knows what's going on in your life. He's working behind the scenes. He's doing so much more than what you see. God is all the while at working you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Boy, he knows what's going on and he knew that you would need this. Every crisis in this world, every crisis in your life is a signal that God has already equipped you to deal with that crisis, equipped you to overcome, equipped you to be more than the conqueror over that thing, equipped you to be the captain over that thing. So whatever you're facing right now, distress, debt, discontentment, you have authority over it. And our attitude today needs to be that we're not ever going to let these things control us anymore. We are going to be captains in our lives rather than captives to our lives, rather than captives to this world, rather than captives to the devil, captives to our past, captives to our, our sins, captives to our mistakes. We're not going to be held captives any longer to the things that held us once before. They no longer hold you. You're a captain, not a captive. Whew. I hope you're getting this. Distress. What does it mean? It's a narrow place. It means confinement, anguish to be oppressed, to be pressed against extreme anxiety, sorrow or pain. This is what this word distress means. This is what you're a captain over. This is what you're going to conquer and not be conquered by anymore. Distress, anguish and suffering and pain and agony, torment, heartache, heartbreak. That's what distress is. Anybody going through some heartache, some heartbreak, some anguish, some loss. It means torment. It means being in a constant state of great trouble. It means physical or mental strain and stress. How do we rule over these emotions, this distress? Let me take you to another place in first Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30. And let's begin there. Let's look at verse one again about David. These are the men. Remember, these are the men that he became captain over. These became great men. These 400 men became great warriors. David turned them into great heroes. But then another crisis hit. It says in verse one, and it came to pass when David and his men, what men, those men that came to him at, in first Samuel chapter 22 in distress, 
in debt and discontentment. These are the same men. And when they they were out to battle for for the last few months, the chapters between chapter 22 and chapter 30, David made them men, made them captains, made them rulers, made them heroes, made them lion killers, made them warriors. They didn't come to him that way. We didn't come to God that way, but that's what God made us. That's who we are. And we need to never forget that. And now we shift to kind of personify our lives as David came to pass when David and his men had come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the South and Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken their wives captive. They didn't kill them, but they took them captive. And it says in verse three, they carried them away. So David and his men came to the city and they saw their city burned with fire. Imagine you walk, you come from a long way and you come to find rest and you come home and your city is burned down. Their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. But David knew how to be a captain, even though now he's experiencing some of his his most valuable things are his relationships, right? And then all of his stuff and all of his men's wives and their children and all their possessions burned. And notice what David did, because I want you to see what a captain does versus what a captive does. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And I would say that. What a. What a good first step it may seem like. Well, what's so good about weeping? What's so good about crying? What's so powerful? What? How are you a captain? How are you a commander over your life if you're crying and if you're weeping? Because I believe that part of controlling, getting control of our emotions is being able to express them fully. I believe that being a captain over life includes raw feeling and honesty and transparency and vulnerability. I believe that in order to truly rule in life, you have to be able to express even the negative emotions. Sometimes you have to be able to cry. You have to be able to weep. You have to be able to get your emotions out there. You see, I believe so many people bottle up their emotions until something really, really bad happens and all those and or multiple things that are really bad happen. And at the worst moments, our emotions lash out at others. We take it out on the people that we that we love or that we value and that we think are the most important people in our lives. And yet we we don't know how to deal with our emotions before God. We don't know how to be raw and honest before God because we're told by religion. Oh, you can never have negative feelings. Of course you can. We all are going through that. We've all been through that. This is what this is how you deal with distress. Sometimes you got to let your the deepest part of you cry. 
Sometimes you got to just let the tears flow and not see that as weakness. Sometimes you got to cry it out and not see that as failure. Whoa, who wouldn't feel this if they had lost everything they had in the fire by an enemy and then they'd taken all their loved ones captive? We have to get emotional. Sometimes we have to get emotional. Sometimes that's part of being a master over it. We got to take it to God. We got to take it in the right direction. Take your emotions up. Do your crying, do your weeping. And it says David's two wives were taken captive. And then it says, and David was greatly distressed in verse six. For the people spoke of stoning him. Now, these are the guys he had. He had become captain over. And now these guys, their lives are so damaged by what the enemy has done. That now they're talking about stoning David, he made them, he. Sometimes we criticize and we accuse and we point the finger at the people who have helped us the most. We forget. Don't ever forget God, how much God helped you, how much God rescued you, how much God saved you. Don't ever forget. This is how we deal with these things. Don't ever forget, because when you forget, you become bitter. When you forget, you become negative. When you forget, you become unthankful. When you forget, you become a critic. When you forget, you become captive of whatever is going on around you rather than capped in over all those things. They wanted to stone him. But look at what it says about David. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Boy, sometimes there just aren't going to be people that will encourage you. Now, I hope that you'll always find that in me. You might not have anybody encouraging you, but you got me because I'm going to encourage you day in and day, day out. Thank God for the platforms that we have to bring the word of God to each other and to, and to connect with each other. But there are times when you're going to have to really encourage yourself, even my encouragement, as many scriptures as I'll give you as much up positivity that I'll give you faith that I'll give you love that I'll give you. It's not going to be enough for what's inside of you. You're going to have to encourage yourself. There's a part of you that is either going to discourage yourself or encourage yourself. This is where most people live in defeat in their lives, because you could have all the right things going on around. You, you could have all the right encouragement, encouraging voices and podcasts that you're listening to. But there's something about self. We're going to have to do something with ourselves. We're either going to encourage ourselves or discourage ourselves. And I want you to see that even though David's got everything taken from him, everything burned, lost in the fire and his family taken captive and all his men have turned against him. But he found a way to encourage himself in the Lord. And we need to learn how to do that. So first, how do we deal with distress? We got to get emotional. We got to let it out. We got to take our emotions up to God. 
not out at others where where it's unhealthy and where it afflicts people rather than actually does any good for you or for them. Then we have to realize in tough times that sometimes people will turn on us. Sometimes people will betray. Sometimes people will fail us many times. That's why it's better to put all your expectation in God rather than in people. Trust God, expect from him and just love people and be kind to people, be good to people. Be compassionate to people because they're not your source. God is. But we have to get to a place where we can handle betrayal. And that we're not waiting. The next thing is, how do you deal with distress? Don't wait for someone to bail you out. Don't wait for the right meme to come out. Don't wait for the right GIF or GIF or whatever. <laughs> Don't wait for the right social media post that somebody's going to be there right on time. That's the oh, that was it. You can't wait for somebody to send you the right message. You've got to learn to encourage yourself. How do you encourage yourself? You encourage yourself with scripture. You encourage yourself with song. You encourage yourself with praise. You encourage yourself. See, praise is not what it does for God as much as what it does for you. When you praise God anyway, you're encouraging yourself. You're building yourself up. You pray. Prayer encourages you praying in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it builds us up that when we pray in tongues, when we pray in the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're building ourselves up in our most holy faith. You can look that up later in Jude, verse 20. Hey, Jude, verse 20. But that'll encourage you. But right now I want you to see this. David encouraged himself in God. This is how you encourage yourself. You encourage yourself with the word of God, the promises of God. You encourage yourself by speaking it out of your mouth. You encourage yourself by praising God, lifting your hands when you don't feel like it. Don't wait for somebody to tell you. Don't wait for Sunday like this is to jumpstart you. This is for us to gather together and to get us started and get us going and to get us moving and to get us in the right direction to set the thermostat on encouragement. But then you're going to have to you're going to be in your car by yourself. You're going to be in the shower by yourself. You're going to be in your bed by yourself. Even if you in bed with somebody else, you're going to fall asleep by yourself and no one else can encourage you. That hand on your back, that pat on the back, that 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 encouragement from somebody else, that smile, those are good. And there's there's good in that. And we need that. But that's to get you started. But at the end of the day, you got to encourage yourself, build yourself up, strengthen yourself, praise anyway. You know, another way to encourage yourself is go be a blessing to somebody else. Encourage somebody who's doing worse off or who's suffering maybe worse than you. There always is, you know. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And then what does it do? It says he encouraged himself and then he took, said to the priest, bring me the ephod. That was what the priest was supposed to wear. Bring it to me. In other words, David is refusing to let anyone take his crown. David says to the priest, give me the priestly garment. I'm a king and a priest in God. He encouraged himself. And then the next thing he did 
was he reminded himself that he's a king and that he's a priest. And he reminded himself that he can go to God at any time. The Bible says that the, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need in Hebrews four, verse 16, right? That we can find grace and mercy in our time of need. David took his place as the priest to go right before God. Priests, only priests could go right to God. But look at what David did back in that verse in verse six. He became the priest, even though he was the king. He also was a priest. He could go directly to God. He, you're a king. You rule over things, but you're also a priest. You can go directly to God about anything you're going through, anything you need and ask and it shall be given. And David in verse seven or verse eight, he puts on the priestly garment. And what does it say? So David inquired of the Lord. What is the, what do you do when you become a priest? You go and ask God what to do. So what is, what's the next thing David did in the midst of distress? Is he asked God for wisdom? He asked God, what do I do? David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, boy, there's something when you know that you're a king and you know you're a priest. And this goes for ladies and men. We're all kings and priests. I know ladies like to call themselves queens, be, be queen, be the queen, but you can also be the king, too. You are a king in Christ. You it's not kings and queens in Christ it's kings and priests. I am a king and a priest. You are a king and a priest. Everybody who's born again is a king and a priest. Captain over your life and a priest who can go before God about anything. And he asked God, shall I pursue? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, I want you to always understand in times of distress. If you ask God for wisdom, he'll give it to you. He will answer. If he answered David, he's got to answer you, because if we belong to Christ, we're Abraham's seed. David was Abraham's seed. God answered David because David was Abraham's seed. You're Abraham's seed. You're an heir according to the promise. Whatever God does, does for one, he'll do for another. If you ask him to, he's no respecter of persons. That means he doesn't say, OK, I'll bless you, but I won't bless you. No, 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 no. Whatever God does for one, he requires of himself to do for another. If you ask. If you ask. Shall I pursue boy, boy, the wisdom here in times of distress? Don't go running out based on your emotions. Remember, he already got his emotions out of the way. What did, how did he do that? He wept until there was no more strength left to weep. He got his emotions out of the way. And now when he goes to God, he's patient. He doesn't make a rash decision. Let your emotions subside before you decide. You got to give room for God to answer. Create some space between what caused you to stress and what your next move is going to be. Create some space. Give. There's nothing wrong with being slower rather than being in a hurry. But what does 
God tell him? God answered him. Say God answered him. Say that God answered him. And if God answered him, he'll answer me. And what did God say? Pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail you shall recover all. Pursue you shall surely overtake them and without fail you shall recover all. I'm prophesying over you for this moment, this month, this year, this season. You shall overtake them because you're more than a conqueror and without fail you will and you shall recover all. You shall recover all. Heavenly Father, I thank you that every person who's going through distress right now, that you will give them the wisdom, that you will empower them and they're already empowered, Lord, revealed to them that they can encourage themselves in you. They can take their place as a king and a priest and let no one take their crown. Say that I will let no one take my crown. I'm a king and I'm a priest. I rule and reign in life. I'm a captain. Say that I'm a captain of life rather than a captive of life. In the name of Jesus. I receive my priestly garment. And I go before God for mercy and grace. Come on, say that. And I shall overtake what has overtaken me. Say that and I shall everybody say that and I shall recover all. Say it again. I shall recover all. Come on one more time so I can hear you I, from all over the world. Come on, global family. I shall recover all. If David recovered all, you're going to recover all all that was lost in the fire all that was taken captive, all that the enemy stole, all that you forsook, all that forsook you, all that took over you, all that defeated you, all that hurt you, all that beat you, all that you lost in the last year or the year before, or the decade before or decades before you shall recover all. You are not going to end up defeated. You are the head and not the tail. You are a king and a priest in God. You're more than a conqueror. You shall recover all prophesied. I shall recover all. I prophesy over you. You shall recover all, all your health, all your finances, all of God's purpose, all your dreams, all of God's plan for your life. You're going to recover it all. All that the devil stole, the time that he stole, the years that he stole, the business that he stole, the money that he stole. You shall recover all in Jesus name. Come on, somebody say amen and say, I shall recover all. This is for you. I'm talking to you. Now, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, woo! now is your moment. Come on, just pray this. Say, Heavenly Father, I receive Jesus Christ. Just say that I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. I believe he died for my sins. Jesus rose from the dead. He's my Savior. I believe in his blood, in his forgiveness, in his name now. I am his child. Come on, say that now I am his child. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to get a hold of me as soon as you can. You'll see on the screen an address to go to link, a link to go to 
to get my book downloaded anywhere in the world. The power of a new life is absolutely free as my gift to you to next steps in your walk with God. I love you so much. Love all of you. Thank you for letting church continue to grow in your soul, in your life, in your home, in our homes together and in our church together. Love you guys. We'll see you at the next service.